from Lagos, the nation's commercial capital. This is the News at 10. Live from Channels Television. Reporting tonight, Bukola Samuel Wemimo. Hello and welcome. Tonight, the Independence National Electoral Commission, INEC, approaches the National Assembly, proposes 305 billion naira for the conduct of the 2023 general elections. People's Democratic Party leadership moves to reconcile all governorship aspirants in next year's governorship election in Ekiti State. Crisis in the Kano State All Progressives Congress deepens as groups differ on serving senators' continued stay at the National Assembly take protests to Abuja. Death toll from the Philippines' super typhoon rises as the country's police say at least 375 people have been killed. Plus, international news from our London studio. On business news tonight, the World Economic Forum postpones annual meeting in Davos, Switzerland due to uncertainty over the Omicron virus spread. On sports news tonight, 20-time Grand Slam champion Rafa Nadal tests positive for COVID-19 after returning home from the Mubadala World Tennis Championship. And from Abuja, Nigeria pursues efforts towards developing a homegrown solution to the COVID-19 virus. Minister of Science and Technology, Dr. Bunayonu, meets with herbal medicine practitioners in Abuja. Three hundred and five billion naira. That's the amount required by the Independent National Electoral Commission, INEC, to conduct the 2023 general elections. That's according to the INEC chairman, Professor Mahmoud Yakubu, who stated this during a meeting with the Senate Committee on Appropriations at the National Assembly. He explained that the commission has already received 100 billion naira of this amount for the polls, adding that the total figure will also cover by-elections across the country. Our correspondent, Linda Kibi, reports. This is the final interaction between the Independent National Electoral Commission, INEC, and the Senate Appropriations Committee before the passage of the 2022 national budget. The committee has invited INEC chairman to table before it the commission's projected expenditure for the 2023 general elections for the purpose of capturing it in the 2022 budget built for passage by both chambers of a national assembly on Tuesday, December 21st. INEC chairman presents the sum of 305 billion naira as projected expenditure for the 2023 general elections. But for the 2023 general election, as I said, we made a submission on the basis of the 100 billion um, as one line item, uh, plus the 40 billion for regular budget in the 2022 appropriation bill. And then uh, that is the outstanding 205. What we have done is to look at activities that we need to conduct before the general election. Professor Yakubu also gives an update on the controversial Ekiti East by-election 
which has been plagued by violence during four unsuccessful attempts. But as you are aware, the by-election was disrupted by sheer act of violence. You know, voters were killed on the queue on election day. A police officer was killed at a polling unit on election day. We simply suspended the election indefinitely because this INEC will never reward bad behavior. With equity, governorship election coming up in June, Ekiti East, one state constituency, may be at dress rehearsal for the Ekiti governorship election. So we may end up conducting the election in that constituency five times because it may be disrupted. Now, the thinking of the commission at present is that since the Ekiti governorship election is holding in June, we should just wait and combine the state constituency and the governorship election in June instead of going twice. Meanwhile, there is no word yet on the status of the Electoral Act Amendment Bill presently before President Buhari for assent. The 30 days deadline stipulated by the Constitution for the President to respond to the bill expired on December 19th. President Buhari is expected to either assent to the bill or write to the National Assembly explaining his decision to withhold assent. Linda Kibi, Channels Television News. And while Nigerians await the National Assembly's response to the president's decision on the Electoral Act Amendment Bill, a former senator, Dino Milai, has vowed to lead a massive protest if the president fails to give assent to the bill. Senator Milai says the bill will address the electoral flaws in the country, hence the need for the president to assent to it. He is also throwing his weight behind direct primaries. He was speaking to our political correspondent, Terry Kumi. The president will either set this country on fire or be the father of all and do what is needful. We are waiting for him. But I want to tell you that if he refuses to sign the electoral act, then he will know that Nigerians, Nigeria is not a banana republic. Because we will be on the streets. I will lead Nigerians to a protest, more of all protests that I've not seen before. And I'm not afraid of death. This country belongs to all of us. Everything to revive this country is dependent on our electoral process. Once we don't get our electoral process right, everything will continue to go wrong. So we're waiting to see if we will sign the Electoral Act or not. I'm for the red primaries yes. because democracy will continue to be government of the people, by the people, and for the people. To ask a delegate to determine the fate of millions of people is not democracy. The governors are controlling the party today because the parties are not being run by the parties. And for the full interview, do watch Political Paradigm tomorrow at 9 a.m. only on Channels Television. It's time to sheath the sword and work together for a common victory for the People's Democratic Party, PDP. Those are the words of the national chairman of the PDP, Senator Iocha Ayu, as the National Working Committee of the party today met with 17 aspirants in the forthcoming Ikiti State governorship election. According to the PDP national chairman, the meeting is to reconcile all aggrieved members in the state to enable the party go into the election as a united force, just as the leadership of the party hopes to do the same in other states where the PDP has crisis. We are going into every single election with the determination to win. 
And I think that should be the mood of every member of the PDP family. It is not important to us in the leadership of the party whether you like a particular candidate or not. Once the party decides on its candidates, it's the responsibility of every member of the PDP family to fight for that candidate. Anybody that does otherwise will be considered as working against the PDP. So it will be regarded as anti-party. We will start a process of sorting out whatever problems we have in state chapters so that we will have a united and formidable force to go into any election, including the forthcoming presidential election and other national elections in 2023. So what we have started today with a Kitty State is actually a process. It's not directed specifically at only a Kitty, but it's directed at our party as a whole. And while the PDP is putting its house in order in Ekiti State, it's a different story for the All Progressives Congress in Kano State, where the crisis in the state chapter continues unabated. Groups in support and in opposition to Kano State Governor Umar Ganduji have staged separate protests in Abuja. While protesters supporting the state governor want the Senate President, Senator Hamid Lawan, to sack Senator Barrow Jibrin as the chairman of the Senate Committee on Appropriation, those opposing the governor are kicking against the move. Pro-Ganduji protesters occupy the entrance to the National Assembly, displaying placards, spotlighting some prominent members of the Ibrahim Shekarao faction of the Kano State chapter of the All Progressives Congress. The protest is a manifestation of a leadership crisis rocking the Kano State APC, which now has two factions. The protesters call on the Senate President to sack one of the prominent members of the Shekarao faction of the APC, Senator Barao Jibrin, who is the chairman of the Senate Committee on Appropriation. This man has proven to be an untrustworthy parliamentarian. As such, we are calling on the Senate President to, without further delay, remove Senator Barao Jibrin as the head of the Appropriation Committee. That is our stand. This struggle is going to be a continuous struggle. Senator Barao Jibril should go. That should be the irreducible minimum standard. He said, disaster already noted and named. It is therefore a matter of patriotic duty for you, the Senate President, to act in national interest by removing him as a matter of dire urgency. Earlier, another group occupied the entrance to the National Assembly in solidarity with Senator Barao Jibril. We condemned in strong terms the act of gathering some hoodlums some street urchins against this hard-working senator of Kano State, Senator Barao Jibrin. The leadership crisis in the Kano APC seems to be defying efforts to address it, despite some past attempts to intervene. What we have done is to come in a very civilized manner to bring to the attention of the national leadership of the party to address 
the disquiet in the party within the state. We are prepared for peaceful resolution of whatever problem there exists. The All Progressives Congress no doubt has a huge membership base in Kano State, which cannot be ignored, and the leaders of the party want urgent reconciliation of all aggrieved members in the state ahead of the next general elections. To judicial matters, Justice Inyang Ekwo of the Federal High Court in Abuja has nullified Senator Andy Uba's participation in the governorship election held in Anambra State on November the 6th this year. In a judgment, the judge held that Uba was never a candidate in the election, having emerged from an illegally conducted primary election by the All Progressives Congress. Justice Ekwo added that the plaintiff, George Mogalu, succeeded in proving that the APC did not conduct a valid primary election from which Uba claimed to have emerged as the party's candidate. The judge further ordered INEC to delete Uba's name from its record as a candidate in the election and ordered the APC to refund to Mogalu the sum of 22.5 million naira, which he paid for expression of interests and nomination forms since the party failed to conduct a valid primary. And more from the courts. The Supreme Court has set aside the conviction and 30-day sentencing of a senior lawyer, Joseph Mwobike. In April 2018, Justice Raliat Adebi of the Lagos High Court had convicted the senior advocate of Nigeria on a charge of attempting to pervert the course of justice and sentenced him to a jail term of 30 days after holding that the EFCC proved beyond reasonable doubt that the senior lawyer was in constant communication with some court officials to influence the assignment of his cases to preferred judges. The Legal Practitioners Privileges Committees had also suspended the senior lawyer from using the rank of senior advocate of Nigeria. In a unanimous decision, a five-member panel of the Supreme Court, led by Justice Ulukayode Ariwola, faulted the decision of the Lagos High Court and the Court of Appeal Lagos, noting that administration of criminal justice law of Lagos State, under which the senior lawyer was charged, did not clearly define what constitutes perversion of justice. The court also says the EFCC lacks the power to investigate and prosecute the offense of perversion of the course of justice. And in part two, after the break, communal clashes in Nasarawa State leave nine people dead. Authorities appeal for peaceful coexistence. Stay with us. Welcome back. And if you've just joined us, you're watching the news at 10 live on channels television Lagos. Here's a reminder of our top stories. The Independent National Electoral Commission, INEC, approaches the National Assembly, proposes 305 billion naira for the conduct of the 2023 general elections. People's Democratic Party leadership moves to reconcile all governorship aspirants in next year's governorship election in Ekiti State. 
crisis in the Kano State All Progressives Congress deepens as groups differ on serving senators' continued stay at the National Assembly take protests to Abuja. And from a foreign scene, death toll from the Philippine super typhoon rises as the country's police say at least 375 people have been killed. Some youths today laid siege to the Obafemi Awolowo University community and attacked the Vice-Chancellor, Professor Eitokpe Ubumbodede, and some management staff of the university. This follows the tussle over a piece of land set to belong to the university, but has allegedly been taken over by suspected land grabbers. The attack occurred while the Vice-Chancellor and some top management staff tried to visit the place but were forced to turn back. No fewer than nine persons have been killed in Ubi and Lafia local government areas of Nasarawa State. The confirmation was contained in a statement released by the State Police Command explaining that the violence broke out in some communities in the two areas after the killing of one person at Gidamwashi village of Ubi local government area. Meanwhile, Governor Abdullahi Sule says security operatives have been deployed to the affected areas. He was speaking in Obi during a meeting with the leaders of the affected communities, the commissioner of police and representative of the Nigeria army. Meanwhile, the death toll from the weekend attack on some villages in Giwa local government area in Kaduna state has risen to 40. This follows the discovery of two more bodies by security agencies carrying out search operations in the affected areas. This was confirmed by the State Commissioner for Internal Security and Home Affairs, Samuel Aruwan. On Saturday night, bandits attacked Kaurampawa, Marke and Rijeya villages in Idasu, killing 38 people in the process. The bandits also burned several houses, vehicles and farmlands during the attack. And staying with in security, the Arewa Consultative Forum is expressing its frustration over what it says appears to be an endless orgy of killings in northern Nigeria. In reference to the latest attack in Giwa local government area of Kaduna State, the ACF in a statement by the National Publicity Secretary Emmanuel Yahweh calls on the state and federal governments to show more empathy and sympathy in the face of the insecurity breaches. According to the group, Nothing stops the president and state governors from visiting such places, noting that not one governor has done so except Governor Zulum of Borunu State. It maintains that the people affected by these savage attacks are left to think that their lives do not count, stressing that the president and the northern governors have the capacity to do better than they have done so far. And time now to go to our Abuja studios for more. Hello, Linda. What's the biggest thing in Abuja today? Hello, Bukola. Good to see you.
sector to help matters now. In the drive towards creating a homegrown solution to the COVID-19 pandemic, the Ministry of Science and Technology has again met with herbal medicine practitioners who claim they have developed local cures to COVID-19. Speaking at the interactive session in Abuja, the Minister of Science and Technology, Dr. Obunayonu, commends the submissions of the herbal medicine practitioners while promising government intervention for more extensive research. Our correspondent, Kayla Megwa, reports. This is the second meeting the Minister of Science and Technology is having with these herbal practitioners who say they have several cures for COVID-19. Today's meeting is a product of studies done after the submission of 50 herbal practitioners in September of 2020 on the alleged cures they've created for COVID-19. It's an opportunity for them to pitch their products so the ministry can determine which alleged cures are ready or require clinical trials. We have seen the adverse effect of vaccine nationalism whereby countries that produce vaccines want to hold on to those vaccines for the use of their citizens. Lesson that the COVID-19 pandemic has taught everyone all over the world is the need for nations to be self-reliant. Some of the herbal practitioners give an update on the efficacy of their drugs. They want clinical trials for all their products and the successful ones released to the Nigerian public. We have embarked on rigorous biochemical mechanism of action that we can now say exactly how the product performed the activity that we know that it, it actually performed. The Minister of Science and Technology commits to those trials beginning in earnest. I believe very strongly inside me that there is the, that the cure of this COVID-19 will be found here in Nigeria. I believe so. I believe so. But how do I get other people to believe like that? It is by clinical trials. We must be scientific. These drugs displayed behind me were made by some of the scientists in today's interaction. Can Nigeria trust its own scientists, especially those of the herbal variety? The truth is, with issues like vaccine nationalism, it's become clear that the country cannot depend on foreign powers for a vaccine or for a cure for COVID-19, hence the need to look inwards. These men today believe that they are the ones for the job, and they're asking for all the help they can get from the Nigerian government. Kayla Megwa, Channels Television News. Meanwhile, with eight years left to the attainment of the Sustainable Development Goals by 2030, the federal government is lamenting the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on the achievements made. Speaking at the Roundtable Dialogue on the establishment of SDG innovation hubs in the country, the Senior Special Assistant to the President and SDGs, Mrs. Adejoke Orelupe Adefulire, explains that if the global goals are to be attained by 2030, then the government cannot rely on traditional budgetary sources, which she describes as grossly inadequate to finance the SDGs.
away from health. River State's Governor Nielsen Wike is accusing the leadership of the APC of failing to alleviate the plights of Nigerians after running the affairs of the country for six years. Governor Wike says since the assumption of the APC at the federal level, the economy and security of a nation have become worse. The governor was speaking at the flag off of the reconstruction of Chokocho Igbodo Federal Road in Eche Local Government Council of River State. The project was flagged off by the governor of Oyo State, Sheyi Makinde. <laughs> Eche, local government area reputed as a food basket of River State, is about 40 kilometers from Port Hacker, the state capital, but the area has been dotted with bad road network. After initially constructing four road projects totaling 59.5 kilometers in Eche, Governor Yeson Week is back in the area to flag off the reconstruction of a 27.1-kilometer Chokocho Igbodo Federal Road connecting rivers to Imo State. His latest guest is the governor for your state, Sheyi Makinde, who commends Wike's expansion of infrastructure in River State. Let it be on record that here today in Eche, local government of River State, is where we are starting the push to rescue Nigeria. <laughs> Development is not being concentrated in Port Harcourt alone. River State is being linked together and you're creating an economic corridor for the entire state. So I will say thank you, Mr. Project. It's not for fun that they call you Mr. Project. It is because you are a visionary leader. Governor Wiki says it takes a government that cares for the development and well-being of the people to award such a significant contract meant to be executed by the federal government. He also bears his mind on other national issues. This is federal government road, it is not state government road. But we said our people cannot continue to suffer. The mere fact that the federal government does not want to help us does not mean that we will not help ourselves. The is one of the oil producing communities, one of the oil producing local government. And therefore, there's no way the federal government can forget a local government like this. What is their benefit for the federal government? What is the benefit from the oil? Nothing. Just one federal road they have, nothing can be done to it. I'm here, and I've come here to solve the problem. The road is flagged up by Governor Makinde. This 14 billion naira project, considered a major contribution of the weak administration to national road network, will be a huge relief for the people of Eche when completed in the next 12 months. Still ahead on the news at 10, the World Economic Forum postpones annual meeting in Davos, Switzerland, due to uncertainty over the Omicron virus spread. That's in business news. Join us again. Thank you.
Welcome back to some company news. The management of Energia Limited has expressed its readiness to emerge as one of the leaders in the renewable energy sector in Africa. This is according to the company's acting managing director, Chidi Egonu, who was speaking during the company's 20th anniversary dinner. Energia Limited is the joint venture operator of a marginal field located in Delta State in partnership with Oando. It's a night of merrymaking, food, drinks, dance and comedy. Medical practitioners talked about it. That That's how the management of Energia Limited chooses to celebrate its 20th year of existence and all the accolades that come with it. Incorporated on August the 21st, 2001, with a group of friends pooling resources, Energia Limited now counts its blessings, which the managers say are sources of joy. Over those years, there have been plenty of milestones that I cannot mention as a whole, but a few of them include well reentry, um, building pipelines to evacuate our crude, drilling four more wells and preparing for a fifth one, expanding into another field and preparing also to drill an additional well. We are talking of a company that got the first permit to truck crude oil in this country. And they did it successfully for nine months without any API. Strategic planning, investment in its workforce are some of the strategies the company managers say have helped over the years. One of the things that we are going to do right now is because of the remarkable achievements that we have made in Energia, we bid it in the last um, marginal field bid run, and we want a field, the Ugo field. And the next thing for us is to, is to re-enter into that field. In spite of these achievements, the company is not planning to rest on its laurels yet, but now taking a continental leap. We see the company being a very major player in Africa. We see our company being one of the 20 foremost African companies in the renewable space. That's what we're going Outstanding members of staff are rewarded and then the floor is declared open for more dance for the workers who are promising to invest more in the coming year. And time now for business. The World Economic Forum has postponed its annual meeting of business and government leaders. Teniola Shobowali has more in business. Banking, so easy, so simple. Dial star 894 hash now to experience it. You first, first bank. Thanks a lot, Bukola. You're quite right. The World Economic Forum has postponed its annual meeting of business and government leaders amid mounting concerns over the rapid spread of the coronavirus Omicron variant. According to the WEF, the current pandemic conditions has made it very difficult to organize a face-to-face -face meeting in January, making it the second year in a row that an in-person event has not taken place. WEF plans to reschedule the meeting for the summer of 2022 with some digital events to hold in January. 
African Consolidated Exchange, a platform designed to ease the bottlenecks of doing business among African countries, has been launched at the University of Nairobi in Kenya. The platform is expected to bridge the digital gap in international trade and foreign exchange, especially as it concerns Africa. Young, vibrant Africans are brought together here in Nairobi, Kenya, for the launch of the African Consolidated Exchange, ASEX, a game changer in trading across the continent. The activity happening today. The trading platform is expected to unify Africa's trailblazing infrastructure for players in the financial markets and in the continent's digital financial ecosystem. Within Africa Consolidated Exchange, our own value drivers that come in and they are, we derive value for them through the use of our own coin that we call term coin. So the value that it brings out is because from the microfinance institutions all the way to companies, publicly uh, listed companies, and all um, uh, the farmers and miners in Africa, they are able to come in in Africa Consolidated Exchange and derive value. ASEX is a digital platform where agricultural commodities and energy commodities can be traded. Ladies and gentlemen, those of you that are hearing of uh, the Africa Consolidated Exchange for the first time, it is a fantastic platform, as you've heard. It is a platform where we've consolidated just about all the tradable instruments, the tradable assets, um, many opportunities there. Uh, those of you that are entrepreneurs have been struggling to raise capital. This is the platform where you have relaxed rules. The platform is also seeking to encourage Africans to participate in the exchange market by determining the price of commodities. ASEX is such a very powerful opportunity and uh, we are looking at creating a system uh, that can help eradicate poverty from, uh, from Africa. And uh, what we have done is to create um, a market system where all tradable assets that can be traded in the markets uh, can be traded on ASEX and that provides a one-stop shop for people to create wealth for themselves. ASEX is designed to ease the bottlenecks of doing business among African countries while offering higher profits and at the same time culturally unifying Africans. The equities market kicks off the week on a positive note as the All Share Index rose by 0.1%. Will Ibong tells us more. Hello and welcome to the Stock Market Report. Good start to the week. The 0.1% gain in the All Share Index, which increased the market capitalization by 21 billion naira, seemed to have breathed some confidence into the low volume pre Christmas trade in the equities market. Now, a quick look at today's activity. We see Really low volume and value of transactions with deals just recording a slight increase. FBN Holdings occupying the position of the most traded stock contributed just about 20 million units of shares to the overall volume. However, the market was able to turn around the trade and this was driven by investors' interest in market giant Dangote Cement. Its share price gained one naira 50 cover today. Meanwhile, major indexes traded up 
at the close of the bell, except for the oil and gas index, which did by 0.41% as stocks of O and O got slaughtered in today's session. So it moves like this. Investors may be wondering how to look to gauge where the market is going from here and possibly avoid a nightmare before Christmas. And that's the stock market report. And Will Iban, back to you. Thanks a lot, Will. Well, let's find out how major global equities closed the last trading uh, for today. And that's business news tonight. It's back to Bukola for the rest of the news at 10. For hash now to experience it. You first, first bank. Thank you, Tenny. And coming up next, death toll from Philippines rises as the country's police say at least 375 people have been killed and more international news from our London studio. Stay with us. Welcome back. Police say at least 375 people are known to have died after Super Typhoon Rai struck the Philippines on Thursday last week. For more international news, here's Simon Pusey with Around the World in Five. Good evening and welcome to the Channel Studios here in London with your international news around the world in five. An investigation has found that the Myanmar military carried out a series of mass killings of civilians in July that resulted in the deaths of at least 40 men. Eyewitnesses and survivors said that soldiers, some as young as 17, rounded up villagers before separating the men and killing them. Video footage and images from the incidents appear to show most of those killed were tortured first and buried in shallow graves. The killings took place in July in four separate incidents in Kanai Township, an opposition stronghold in Saigang District in central Myanmar. Leftist candidate Gabriel Boric has won Chile's presidential election to become the country's youngest ever leader. Mr Boric's victory prompted celebrations on the streets of the capital's Santiago with supporters waving flags and honking car horns. He then told supporters he would look after democracy, promising curbs on Chile's neoliberal economic model. He will lead a country that has been rocked in recent years by mass protests against inequality and corruption. The Ethiopian military has regained control of the historic town of Lalibela from Tigrayan rebels. The move came amid an announcement by the Tigray People's Liberation Front that it is withdrawing from all areas in the Amhara and Afar regions. The TPLF said it took the decision to clear the way for a peaceful resolution to its conflict with the government. The conflict has caused a massive humanitarian crisis, with international mediation efforts having so far failed. Medics aligned with the Sudanese protest movement say one man was shot dead during yesterday's large-scale demonstrations. 
Hundreds of thousands of people marched to the presidential palace in Khartoum in protest against October's military coup. They were met with volleys of tear gas and stun grenades from security forces as some managed to reach the gates of the palace. Medics said a number of people were also injured. Malaysians displaced from their homes due to flooding caused by torrential rains are making desperate pleas for help, following outcry from the public and lawmakers over delays in rescue efforts. More than 66,000 people from the police, army and fire department have been mobilised to help rescue people stranded by floodwaters and take them to shelters. Malaysian authorities said at least eight people were killed in the floods as heavy rainfall that started Friday morning caused dozens of road closures and disrupting shipping. More than 21,000 people have so far been displaced from their homes. One of China's most well-known live streamers has been ordered to pay taxes and fines worth 1.34 billion yuan, the equivalent to about 210 million US dollars. Wei Ya, who shot to prominence on the e-commerce platform Taobao, is accused of evading around $100 million in taxes. Wei Ya later posted an apology letter on her Weibo account, saying she takes full responsibility for her actions. Meanwhile, video shared on social media shows Chinese tennis star Peng Shuai appearing with former NBA basketball star Yao Ming at a cross-country skiing event in Shanghai. The clip was posted by a Global Times reporter appearing to be asking Peng off-the-cuff questions. Peng said that a social media post she had made early last month had been misunderstood. It is the first time she had addressed the matter on camera in public. And finally, a Japanese billionaire has returned to Earth after a 12-day journey into space. There's a second crew member coming out. Yusaka Meizawa, a 46-year-old fashion magnate and art collector, has been in space for the past 12 days with his assistant Yozo Hirano and Russian cosmonaut Alexander Misurkin. He said he saw it as a dry run for his planned trip around the moon with Elon Musk's SpaceX in 2023. And that's your international news around the world in five. Now back to the Channel Studios in Lagos. Many thanks, Simon. The National Council on Sports has approved November the 2nd to the 15th, 2022, as the dates for the 21st National Sports Festival in Delta State, tagged Asaba 2022. At an extraordinary National Council on Sports meeting held in Asaba today, the Delta State Government and the Federal Ministry of Youth and Sports Development signed a Memorandum of Understanding. Spain's Rafa Nadal has confirmed that he has tested positive for COVID-19 upon arrival in Spain after making his comeback from injury in the Mubadala World Tennis Championship exhibition event in Abu Dhabi last week. The 20-time Grand Slam champion is having some unpleasant moments but hopes to feel better soon. The World Football Governing Body FIFA has promised to hand over an extra $19 million every four years to each of its 211 member federations if it succeeds in its attempt to hold the World Cup as a biennial event. FIFA held a virtual global summit to discuss its highly controversial plans to stage the World Cup every two years instead of the current four-year cycle. And that's sports news. And the main news again. The Independent National Electoral Commission today approached the National Assembly proposing 305 billion naira for the conduct of the 2023 general elections. And that's it on the news at 10 today. From all of us here, it's good night.